The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer. And we really have been so thankful to you, our audience. It just keeps growing. You guys are fantastic. And we've heard from many of you that you really enjoyed the podcast episodes where we spend our time providing some insight and education and kind of where the markets are, but also a lot of key technology trends, as you know, uh, these markets uh, change a lot. And it's and also, you know, what we've heard is that it's really hard to learn uh, how things are and how things work because there's so much conflicting information out there if you Google it or search it or whatever. But also, you know, a lot of the people who are providing this information are software and technology vendors and they all have things to sell. And, you know, while a lot of what they're saying uh, is definitely helpful, especially at the fundamental level, if you're like a developer or a data scientist, there's tons of information out there. But when you kind of move up like a, like a couple steps above the people who are actually doing it, you're like, well, how do I even know what to do and in what order? And, and how does this compare to something else? And uh, am I doing the right thing? Am I going to just run into the, <laughs> am I going to have these problems that everybody else is having? You'll find that there's really not a lot of information out there and people are making the same mistakes over and over again. And so what we're doing in our AI Today podcast is we have these education series and these series that we've done, been doing. And we are right now in the middle of a series that we're doing on the automation to intelligence roadmap, which is talking about the great value that technology has, uh, both unintelligent automation, but as well as more intelligent automation. And people are seeing benefits there, but how do you really take those next steps? And this is something that we do as part of our training and certification You know, in this that provides a lot more than just what you hear on the podcast. There's a lot more guidance and insight, as well as frameworks and checklists and all that sort of stuff. But we do want to provide this insight to you, our podcast listeners, because we want to share with you this very valuable information. Exactly. So as Ron mentioned, we have had a number of different podcasts that focus on educating the audience, going into some of our training and certification content so that you can get a taste of what it is that we offer. And also you can learn something on this podcast that maybe you haven't heard from others. Uh, We have been going strong now for five years, over 250 episodes. So if you are new to the AI Today podcast, welcome. And if you are, uh, you know, if you've been here before, then welcome back. And thank you for joining us today. You can also subscribe to our AI Today podcast. You can get notified of all of our additional episodes coming up, including a number of additional episodes that we have scheduled in our Automation to Intelligence Roadmap series. With this roadmap series, we have a few that we've already published, and I will link to them in the show notes so you can go back and listen to them. But today, we really wanted to focus on business process and defining what is a business process and why you need to be thinking about this in your automation to intelligence journey. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the last part of the series, we talked about the value of automation. And why do we automate things? And 
we talked a lot about the fact that, well, the power of automation, of course, is, well, if humans were doing everything, we'd still be like in the, I don't know, we'd still be all hunting and farming all day. You know, we, you know, technology, the whole point of technology has been to make our lives easier by taking the human out of the loop of everything that we were doing from, you know, farming to building houses to transporting things from place to place to even something as simple as using nails, you know, to build houses. We've automated so much. And so now we know that the power of automation is making things more efficient, making things more reliable by doing the same thing over and over again. You know, even handling things like variability where, you know, if everything was manual, you know, we humans, we're not that good at doing the same exact thing in the same exact way every single time. So we are very variable and that's great for certain things, but not really great for things that we depend on. But of course, it even allows us to innovate because when, when, we, when we take systems that are able to you know, gain efficiency and auto, and through automation and, and allow all that, we can invent new ways of doing things because we're freed up. Our time is now freed up from the thing that we used to be spending all of our time doing to now thinking about new things we can be doing. So you might be thinking, well, wait a second, how do I get from this idea of automation which um, is all about, you know, uh, technology that helps to, you know, basically do the things that humans would otherwise be doing to process, which seems like a very, I don't know, management-y, dry thing. Well, because it turns out that when people are out there talking about automation, most of the time, many times, they're really talking about automating in the context of some multi-step thing, right? And we, and especially in the case of software automation, we think about what we're automating, the, the things that we automate in software that humans are doing are usually things that humans would do as part of some business process, some business organization. So we have to start by saying, okay, well, I think I know what business process is. And we're like, or do you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into, okay, well, what exactly do we mean by business process and how does that get us to dis determine what we need to automate? And, you know, the reason that we wanted to bring this up as well is that we understand at an organization, at an agency, wherever it is that you're working, you, you know, probably have a full plate. You're really cranking ahead. If you're a startup or, you know, a high growth startup, you've raised money, you're really trying to grow fast. And you don't always have time to sit back and think about some of these things, but it can be important to do that. And it can also be important to, you know, go through some of these exercises. And that's why we want to bring it up. So you're going to start with your objectives. You know, what goal is it that you want to achieve? And then what actions do you need to take to take to get to that? And there's some questions that you need to answer. So what are you trying to achieve? What are your desired outcomes? Where are you now? Where are you trying to go? And what steps or actions do you need to take to get there? These sound like fairly basic questions to ask, and they are, but answering these questions can be a lot harder than you might expect, especially as you bring more people into your organization and start asking these on a larger scale. But these questions really are important and you need to make sure that you're asking them because it helps define what you and your, you know, if you're a manager, what your employees do or peers at your organization, it helps define what you're going to do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And th that's really the core of what we mean by business process. It's really those things about defining kind of where you are, where you want to go and the steps that you need to do to get to that place. 
And you might think, okay, well, this is obvious. Why do we have a whole podcast on this? Actually, Kathleen and I were talking about it. Well, because it turns out that there's actually a lot of confusion in the market. People talk about process automation. We will get into that in a, in a, in a while. Maybe not really that much in this podcast, but we'll, we'll definitely talk about a whole podcast about this. But there are all these tools that'll sell you process automation. But if you look at what people are actually using them for, they're not really automating processes, but they're automating individual activities or tasks. So before we get into that, because we will definitely get onto that theme later on, I want to talk about what exactly do, well, if, well, if I want to define a process, how can I define a process? Okay, well, processes really can be fairly well identified. This is not something that Kathleen and I have come up with on our own or Cognolytica as an organization. This is stuff that people have been talking about literally for decades. Right, decades. Back, yeah, <laughs> the 80s and 90s, actually well before that, people have been talking this whole field. Of something A century, it. maybe. I- <laughs> yeah, I mean, ever since we've had like the, the organization and we've had, had industrialization, um, we've had something called operations management. You know, we've really thought about this, but it became very popular in the late 80s and 1990s for a few reasons, this idea of process, defining business process. Because one, we had computers and computers and IT finally allowed us, most organizations, to bring technology into their processes where they didn't have them before. Before computers, the only people who could really make use of technology for their businesses were people in industry, like in industry, like, you know, we had an assembly line or something. Okay, Ford was doing, you know, companies like that were doing automation for a long time. But if you're like an advertising agency or you're a bank, right? Think about the bank from the 1940s and 50s that had no computers, that literally had people with paper ledgers. First of all, that's just crazy to think about that did you'd have a bank with no computers, right? But like that's how banks operated for what thousands of years, hundreds of years, you know, they've operated forever. And it was only in the 1940s and 50s we're like, maybe we should have computers. <laughs> and it, and then it took until we had computers literally on every desktop and we had this idea of networked computers before people were like, okay, we need to now think about ways of making our business more efficient because we have these machines. So can I rethink uh, our business in terms of these processes? And that's what brought out this whole wave of, of, of business process management, business process identification, all this sort of stuff, business process reengineering was a big thing. And really, I, I don't want to spend too much time, but basically it's five, four, six core things that are part of a uh, business process. One, a process must have some beginning and end. It must have some definability. It must have some boundaries. It can't just be a collection of random tasks, right? A, a process usually has some sequence or order, uh, especially if you have a defined outcome. You know, there's some, some ordering to the activities. We'll talk about there are ways of having triggered processes and parallel processes, but the idea is that there's got to be some flow to it, Right. Somebody has to benefit from the process. <laughs> you know, it has a customer. It's like, you know, somebody has to benefit. The could be the customer, it could be the employee, it could be, you know, some stakeholder somewhere has to benefit from this process. The process itself has to add value, right? We certainly do have many processes that exist in, in, in our environments that don't add any value, but that's sort of yeah. <laughs> the question, right? And like the last two points of a business process is that it needs to be part of something else. It's sort of like the process isn't the business. The process is something that the business does to accomplish some goal. So so it's got this embeddedness, which is like there's this process and it's part of the sales organization, part of finance, part of IT, part of whatever. And then this brings up this idea that processes can also span. They can they can go from sales to finance. They can go from IT to something else, or they can even span multiple 
organizations and companies. You know, you might have an ACH process for transferring money from one bank to another. That's a process, right? Mm -hmm. And that goes from one bank literally to another. And it might involve like five, six, seven, I don't know how many parties are involved, but it might involve a lot of parties. And so we define all that. That is how we think about what process is. Exactly. And so as you're going and listening through this podcast and through the series, think about that. And, you know, okay, what are what are your business processes at your organization? What business processes do you do on a daily basis? And think about that as you're listening to the podcast. Now, there's different processes that you can have. And we wanted to break that down a little bit as well so that it would help give you, uh, you know, a sense of kind of where, where things fall. So there's operational processes, and these really constitute those core business processes that you have that you need to do in order for your business to actually run. You know, this can be taking orders from customers, things like that, um, you know, opening an account, like, like core things that you actually need to do, core processes for your business to run. Uh, think about it as getting things done that are core to what the organization does. So whatever your organization does, these are core processes for you. Certain examples here can be, you know, customer service processes, marketing efforts, manufacturing processes, look to book with customer purchases. So what exactly do you need to do? All right. So those are your core operational processes. Then you're going to have supporting processes on top of that. These are things such as accounting or recruitment, you know, so you, you have to obviously keep your books. You have to hire and grow you if you have call centers, technical support. So these are things that are, you know, getting things done to help with those other core operational efforts. So if you want to think about this type of supporting process, it can be an HR process for new employee onboarding or financial processes that you have. You know, what what procure to pay financial pipelines do you have and and uh, a process there? And then also many, many back office IT processes are supporting to your core business. And, you know, um, and uh, as we go over this, I wanna, I'm going to connect it back to automation just so that we always keep an idea of kind of what we're talking about here so we're not going into just this esoteric land. The, in, in addition to those two kinds of processes, we also have management processes. They're not necessarily operational. They're not things that, you know, involve any of the functions of the business. They're not necessarily even supporting, but it might be things like approvals or generating reports or, you know, doing some sort of analysis of something so that somebody can gain some understanding. Things like forecasting. Forecasting is not an operational thing. It's not a supporting thing. It just helps you make decisions, right? You know, we kind of like to make fun of it because a lot of management processes sometimes kind of are BS. I have to be honest. There's a <laughs> lot of like, you know, it makes you think of the TPS reports from uh, the office, office space. Yeah, and I was sort of like, okay, well, okay, there are people spending all their time and effort, and I guess getting paid a salary to do it, but it's never quite clear what it's for. Um, and it's sort of like the, it's sort of like the, uh, analog it's an allegory to like all these things that businesses would do. There's an awful lot of them, right? Honestly, when you're doing business process reengineering, these tend to be the first processes that tend to go because you're like, we don't really need this stuff. Maybe there was some point to it 
20 years ago, but maybe that point has been gone, but people have forgotten it. And so they're still doing it, not realizing that the whole reason for that is gone. That's a whole other story. We'll get into that later. We're not really going to talk about business process re-engineering here, but um, that is a kind of process. The last thing is there are processes that are all about governance, which is the real, we call the real CYA, cover your uh, rear. Uh, which is sort of like, you know, you have to do some auditing, you have to do some logging, you might have to document things, you might have to do some extra checks, you know, make sure that when you're opening that bank account, maybe the person you're opening it with, maybe shouldn't be or maybe not a lot of cybersecurity processes. These aren't things that really help the business. They're there to prevent problems, reduce risk, and in many cases, actually bring the human back. So so as I mentioned, I want to connect this back to automation, because when we think about what we're automating, it's useful to think about, well, what kind of thing are we automating? It implies an ROI. There's actually, the more core to a business, a process is, the more operational it is, probably the more it's going to have a positive ROI. If it's a supporting function, that might be helpful too. Like if it's supporting finance or HR, if it's a process that is support, if you're automating a management process, this is where you start to get into, maybe we shouldn't be doing this at all. Automating something a human is doing that the human probably should not do, that kind of gets into questionable territory. And on the governance side, automating some of the governance things probably won't save you money, probably won't make you money, but it might help cover a risk. This, so this is part of why understanding what the process is, is helpful as you're trying to justify it. And this gets into one of the things that we do in our training, which is identifying the processes that are, that, that are suitable for automation, finding the ROI and justifying the investment that you're going to make in that. Exactly. And if you've listened to our podcast for a while, we always say don't automate just to automate, right? Make sure you understand when you're automating. And that's really what this journey is about. So that's why we thought it was important today specifically to be talking about, okay, well, let's define what is a business process and think about it from that automation standpoint, which you may or may not think about when when you're looking at business processes. So we wanted to make sure you're, you know, you're thinking about this in a different way and always keep that automation to intelligence roadmap. Um, and journey in your mind as you're listening to this podcast, and in particular with that training and certification as well. So we had, Ron had mentioned earlier that there's different types of processes and different flows that you can have. So you can have a sequential process flow where this is, you know, you start in a specific order and there's a series of actions that need to get done. You have a defined order that you go in and you start with step one and you have a clear endpoint, however many steps down the process that is sequential and it flows. You can also have a triggered or status-driven process flow. So this doesn't necessarily have a strict start and end points. And it doesn't always, it can finish and, you know, start and finish at, at different stages of the process. So an example I like to think about when I'm, when I'm, you know, thinking about what is a triggered flow could be if you need to get approval for a payment and if it's uh, you know under a thousand dollars it can it can get triggered off at a at a certain point in the process if it's five thousand dollars or above it needs to go through a different you know set of steps maybe that have a few more approvals in there or a few more a few more uh tasks in your in your entire process and then maybe if it's over fifteen thousand dollars whatever that is that you've decided at your organization, it goes, it, it needs a, a few more, you know, needs maybe a manager to approve it or a different type of manager. So think about that where it can be triggered. 
you can also have parallel process flow. So Ron said, you know, maybe you can run different different processes at the same time. If I have a process that also needs to be audited, maybe I can kick off, you know, I have that process and I also have an auditing process that can go in parallel with each other. So I don't need to do the entire process from start to finish and then kick off my auditing process. I can run it in parallel. Mm-hmm. And again, this really helps us. I mean, I know we're still talking at a pretty abstract level here, but when we're thinking about automation, hopefully this is getting you think about, okay, well, what exactly am I doing here? Because I might be automating something that always happens. So it's a sequential process flow that is guaranteed to happen every single day, you know, whether it's part of uh, inventory management or whatever, right? I may be automating something that doesn't always happen, but only happens in certain situations. Like, um, uh, if uh, I'm missing some supply, like some critical supply chain issue, or maybe some HR issue or something, then I may be like, okay, well, when a human has to do this triggered process, like you know, there's like you know somebody in the office who usually doesn't do something, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you know, Jim, Pamela, we're having a problem. Stop what you're doing. This is really important. You know, our critical thing that we need to make this product is no longer around. I need you to go out and source another product. Well, you could make a point that it, that's a good situation, perhaps for automation, because because um, it, it may be difficult. You may, what if Jim and Pamela are not around? What if they've left the company? You know, that, all that sort of stuff. You know, what if they're working on something else? So, mm-hmm. so again, and also even parallel process flows. You're like, man, if a human has to sit there and do all this auditing and record keeping while also doing all this other work, so they're like, you're asking your salesperson in addition to doing sales to also spend two or three hours a day entering stuff into a a CRM system or doing something, you're like, couldn't that be a bot? Couldn't you have the bot do the parallel thing while the human does the sequential thing? These are all excellent tips. We're actually giving away a little bit of the secret sauce here and how you do identification for automation. But you think about what the process does, you think about the process flow, and you think about what the ROI is, and it's pro- problem, probably a solution there. So the next sort of thing to think about is like, well, even if you think about a process, many times a process consists of sub-processes. It's not like you know, inventory management or invoicing is not sometimes, most often consists of smaller processes. Those processes might consist of smaller processes. And at some point you end up at a level where it's like, okay, now this thing just needs to get done. There's like, there's no, you know, if I tried to define this any further, now I'm just telling you the steps that you need to take to do the thing, right? That's just like, okay, you know, picking up something out of email, I don't need to tell you how to do that. You know, click on this icon. That those At that point, it's sort of the steps and the task. So this kind of brings up this idea of granularity, which is that um, you, you, when you're defining a process, if you're too vague, this kind of gets into the issue of like, okay, if I'm starting from some general vague process, it's very hard to automate something where you're just kind of waving your hands and say, and get that information from some system. And you're like, okay, what system, what information, what are you talking about? You can't automate that because it's just too vague. So someone has to say, okay, let's break it down a little bit further. What I really mean is I mean this system and this kind of information. And then you're like, okay, well, in order to do that, I have to do that. So this is a lot of the sort of activity that you would be doing if you're doing business process, any sort of definition activity, you'd start from something, maybe from a vague process and work your way down. But eventually you're going to get to these things called tasks. We've been talking about processes all this time, even though I know we've name dropped tasks a bunch of times, but what exactly are tasks 
And how do they relate to this idea of processes? And maybe we'll start again with process and we'll kind of connect it to the idea of tasks, right? Yeah, very quickly, just to give definitions now that we're saying, okay, well, what's a process versus what's a task? So a process is a sequence of steps or a sequence flow that must be done in a specific order to achieve a desired result. A task is a singular, is it's a single atomic unit of a process and lowest level of granularity. So when you're thinking about, okay, what's a process versus what's a task, it's helpful to say, all right, processes are the way, so to say. They have defined objectives, they have a defined flow, they have a defined way of handling the problem and the issues. And when you're thinking about what does that involve, what do processes involve? They involve planning, measurement. You want to be able to measure your process. And they also involve outcomes. Tasks, on the other hand, are that action that needs to get done. So it's performing an action is a task. And you're going to break down tasks. You can break them down into subtasks. And they need to. Su- they can support multiple processes as well. But really, when you're thinking about a task, it involves doing. So tasks are doing something, and processes have that planning, measurement, and outcome. That's a great way to think about: is this a process or is this a task? Yeah, and some of the things is like you may be like, well, sometimes it's a little bit ambiguous. To be like, well, am I, am I automating like a multi-step process, or am I just all automating a you know a, a task with many little subtasks? And you know, part of it you can go back to this earlier definition of what is a process and say, okay, well, is there a flow? You know, is there a sequence? Is this something that gets embedded within something else, or is it just like you know reading email? Like I talked Kathleen all the time, reading email is not a process. Reading email is a task. So the question is like, well, what are, what are you doing with this email? Are you are you opening up customer support email and taking the text from the customer support email and entering it into some trouble tracking system? That is a process, right? And one of those tasks in the process is extracting the task. The, the the whatever the the thing from email and the second part of the task is putting it in a trouble tracking system right maybe the third task is telling somebody you need help i don't know can you automate that you can you can automate that multi step thing right another thing about email might be extracting pdf documents and putting it in an invoicing system so so as you start thinking about this you're thinking okay well the task is is the opening up the email and doing it. The process is, okay, what are you doing? <laughs> what is the context of all of that? It's really very helpful. Um, and you know, they have this idea of like instructions versus procedures. You know, the funny thing about the English language is it's so imprecise. Like the same word just means different things based on how you think about it. But if you think about procedures, it tells you the way that things are done and may even be mandatory. Like, okay, well, every time we're doing invoicing, we have rules for invoicing. You know, those rules must be, you know, there must, you know, must be an approved supplier, blah, blah, blah. There's got to be a PO number, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, but that doesn't tell you how to perform the work. It just tells you what the process needs to have. The work might be, it might say, okay, you know, uh, open up these emails. Uh, you should, you know, put these emails into these systems. These are instructions for the, for how you perform your test. It doesn't tell you what the pro- process and procedure is. It just tells you what the instructions are. And having both is necessary, especially when you're automating something. Because if I'm automating something, I got to know what the process flow is. I got to know what the procedure is. If the procedure says that invoices have to have a PO number, I kind of need to know that, right? It's kind of helpful. And if the instructions say that I got to take the invoices out of email and I got to put it in that system, if I don't have those instructions, it's kind of difficult to automate it. 
<laughs> I'm kind of like guessing, right? Um, <laughs> That's not great. You don't want to do that, right? You don't want to automate some task that you're guessing what to do. Right. And this is actually a lot of the reasons for automation failure. And we may, we'll probably do an automation failure series. We did an AI failure series. We're going to do an automation failure series. But a lot of the reasons why automations fail is because people don't realize all of these steps that they need to perform, or they are thinking about the best case scenario and not realizing that 80% of the time they're having exceptions because people don't include PO numbers. People don't email things the right way. And so I have invested all this money in automating something, and I'm still having the human do 80% of the work. That that's crazy, right? And that, that's the reason why uh, automation systems fail. So um, this is part of helping you think about tasks versus processes. So um, we can get into okay. Well, let's let's we can do a better job, I guess, of defining our processes. That could be a good place to start. What's really important here is you can't manage what you don't measure. Makes a lot of sense if you think about it, right? So when you have a repeatable, documented set of steps to follow, it helps provide a bunch of different things. Like Ron said, you know, you want to make sure that it's not random. You're not just doing things randomly in a different set of steps every time and a different procedure, you know, bringing in different, different numbers from different sources. When you have repeatable documented steps, it helps provide consistency. You can streamline procedures. It eliminates unnecessary tasks as well. You don't want to do things just to do things. So if you have things that are documented and repeatable, it can help with eliminating unnecessary tasks. Also, you can look to automate some of that work. You can eliminate duplicate uh, steps. (laughs) One thing that you definitely don't want to do is have a few different people from a few different groups do the same thing. Why, right? If it's documented and you can look at it, then you say, oh, why am I doing this in a few different ways? When you do things like that, it can help with increasing profits, that ROI that we talked about, all of that. So it's really important to make sure to do this. But, and there's different ways you can do this. So business process modeling helps with that, where you can flow out, you can you know use different types of software and different uh, modeling out there to figure out, okay, well, how do I actually flow this out and document it and do all of that? But there can be some dangers with this as well that we do want to bring up to be mindful of when you're going through this process. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing is, is like the temptation. And this is, by the way, this goes back decades. So if you're doing this uh, thing that I'm going to talk about now, just you, you are part of a very large community. People have done the same thing. There's this temptation to basically start from the top down, which is basically start from the process that you want, this process ideal, the process as you define it, which is sort of like, you know, I, you know, this is the way the process should work. I mean, you may not even be talking about re-engineering the process. You may just be like, okay, well, this is probably how the process does work. And then you create this flow chart and this diagram and this sort of stuff, but it becomes what's called shelfware <laughs> because, uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second, but basically we, we create this great flow diagram. And what we do is we do all the things. If you do like any sort of searching on how to do process management, you'll get all of these great management feedbacks, these blogs, these these articles that say, well, what you should do is figure out what your current business processes are, define your goals, list all the activities that you want to do and the opportunities for improving them, planning out your process, 
maybe then you figure out your tasks and you assign them. Then you figure, you measure the value, you test and implement, then you gather the feedback. And then the next thing you know, we just go back to this loop where we redefine the processes. You know, um, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it's totally makes sense. That's the way it should be. The problem is, is, and the reality is, is that the reason why these things fail ended up being what's called shelfware, which are great diagrams and great documents that look great, but never kept reality is because reality is messy. Um, the pro- First of all, the person who's defining the process maybe doesn't really know what all the steps are. Maybe the people who are really in the field, whether it's the employees or the government citizens or even soldiers out there, they know that when they're actually doing something, they do these other things, which may seem to be inefficient or ineffective, but maybe there's a reality, there's a reason why they're doing them, right? They're not, they're not obvious to the, to the person who's defining the process. Also, people just don't know how the whole process is. You know, there's sometimes there's a lot of vagueness. There's like, okay, and then something happens and then I get an email. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how or why or when or just it happens, right? Or it might be that by the time you're done defining the process, the process itself has changed. You know, processes do mature. They, they're, they're constantly evolving, right? And then the other sort of big issue is that you have people ch- leaving and changing in organizations. And honestly, we have a bit of a, of a crisis uh, going on, I think, in the, in the whole of society right now that people just have a really hard time paying attention. And um, I don't know if it's just a result of the, all the stuff that's happening in the world, the pandemic, working from home, remote work, changes to the work environment, maybe the fact that even jobs are a little unstable. So people are maybe doing their job, but maybe they're thinking about some other job that they want to be rather doing. I don't know. I mean, there's lots of reasons for it, but that means that if you're depending on a group of people who know the process to even be there, you know, that won't happen. And, and this, this does bring up the alternative, which is like, okay, well, if we're not going to define the process from this ideal, why don't we just start from what we're doing now? Why don't we just be like, you know, I understand their processes for a customer and finance. Let's just take a look at the things we're doing now and start from the bottom up and just, you know, look at the, start from the tasks. Don't start from the process, which we talked about, or the sub process. Let's start from the tasks and work our way up and say, what are these tasks? Why are we doing them? What process does that support? What process does that process support? And work our way up. And we can use that as a way of identifying opportunities for automation by basically making the tasks that we're doing more efficient. Of course, neither of these are optimal because maybe you shouldn't be doing that thing at all. So this sort of brings up sort of that the next set of points on the human in the in the business process. Exactly. So it's important, you know, always be questioning, always be saying, how can I automate? When should I automate? What can I do to improve everything? But also, you know, like Ron said, you don't want to have that shelfware where it's great in theory, but it actually never gets implemented. Talk to your stakeholders, involve and and make sure really that humans are in this business process because in general, the various tasks of a business process can be performed one of one of two ways in general, either manually or automated. So if someone, if you can get someone else to do it, then okay, you know, say, where is this human adding value? Does the human need to do it? Okay, do I need to be doing it? Can I get someone else to do it? Then that's what traditionally has been process outsourcing. And there's many reasons to do that. Um, you know, it can be economic reasons. 
um, and it can it can just you know free up the limited resources that you have. Or can I get something else to do it? So that manual is someone else, or that thing could be you know you're looking at automation, and this is where process automation can come in. That also can be for economic reasons. And it just depends on, on, you know, what it is that you're looking at. Yeah. And, and part of the reason why we bring this up is because interestingly, if you've looked at process automation, I don't want to use the term robotic process automation, because actually the funny thing is like the more and more we talk about it, the less it actually seems like, uh, like just the whole terminology is just very awkward. And so it's like, you know, first of all, you're not really automating processes. You're mostly automating tasks. The word robotic is totally superfluous, doesn't have any meaning actually, you know, other than the fact we're using software bots. And most of the time, actually 99% of the time, it's really user interface automation that we're talking about. We're automating user interface things, typing, clicking, et cetera, et cetera. So there's really, we're not even doing processes, barely even doing tasks. We're just doing user interface tasks. So it's user interface task automation, which is kind of a mouthful. It's, uh, it's really sad. Honestly, can, that the market has has condensed on that term or the meaningless term hyperautomation, which has really no meaning at all. And I think I think really for, from our perspective on that, it's like, look, we do value having machines perform tasks because of all the things we talked about in this earlier um, presentation, the earlier podcast that is. But the thing is, is that you know um, we need to under, we need to understand when and where and how and what, right? All those sorts of things. There's a lot of things that are making us do automation. I don't think we have a lot of choice. We can't have humans do everything all the time, right? We talked about the problems with humans. You know, we're great. We're great at certain things. We're just bad at other things. Let's put it that way. It's not like it's not like humans are a problem. It's just like we're not good at repeating the same thing a million times over and over again, right? right. You know, any sort of effective, efficient way. Nobody, first of all, nobody even wants to do that. So it's not a matter of you're taking my job. It's sort of like nobody wants to be doing that repeated thing a million times, right? Especially if it's not even a core operational task. If it's a governance thing, and all you're doing is spending all of your time auditing and logging. This is not, this is not a fun task. You know, nobody really wants to be spending their time. A machine can do that much better, more efficiently, and everybody will be happier for it, right? But there's lots of other things driving automation. I mean, things are changing much more rapidly. And when things change rapidly, uh, you know, automating things helps you move faster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, systems are becoming interconnected. So it's not like, it's not like even a human has control over everything anymore. You know, it might be that, you know, you have to connect this system to that system, this system, that system, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. You're having a human go through all that. It, it is not, it's very complicated for a human to be in that world, right? You know, we have this thing called the digital transformation logjam. We've talked about this in the past. We want to move towards systems that are highly agile, that use, you know, uh, electronic documents, that use electronic processes. Well, you can't have humans in the middle of that if you're trying to move towards electronic, you know, documents. If people want to, you know, have a conversation with a chatbot at 3 a.m., about their financial condition, you can't have a whole field of, of human operators there and maybe you don't want to because for, for privacy reasons, right? That brings us to, we have compliance needs, we have governance needs, increasing, increasing number of new laws and regulations there. Customers are asking us to move faster, to be more reliable, to be more agile, deal with change. We have new challenges around labor. Sometimes people are just not even available to do the things that we want them to do. We're having problems with supply chain. The things are not available, right? And we have the fact that the world keeps changing. So there is definite need and definite 
uh, attention for automation. There's nothing bad to say about the word automation. The problem is when you add all these other words to the word automation that try to make it do other things. So um, one of the things we want to sort of tip off here is we talked a lot about, about these things, which is, well, what do you automate when and how? We've already given you some tips and clues about what that is. And, but the thing is, is like, that's what we're going to go into next. You know, um, we have to do automation. So the question is really about finding the best fit, the best place to take a wide range of different kinds of automation, software automation, hardware automation, process automation, user interface automation, and applying them where they can provide the most benefit. Sometimes they're just tasks. They're not whole processes. They're just tasks. And those tasks are performing perhaps management things, or they're doing governance things, still necessary. Sometimes those automations are much bigger processes. It's about delivering products to customers, right? Or it's about uh, you know some sales and marketing campaign or something. You know, it could be anything. <laughs> this is where we need to figure that out. And that's where we're going to get into next. Exactly. So I think, you know, as Ron brought up with all these great points, it's not a question of if you automate, you do need to automate. Uh, for the variety of reasons that he said, you know, you want to stay ahead of your competition, you have labor issues that you're dealing with, cost issues, all those ROIs that we that we brought up. But so the question is not if, but what to automate, when to automate, and how to automate. We will get into those core questions and continue to answer them and talk with you, our listeners, on this roadmap journey of automation to intelligence. It's important that we go through it step-by-step because you need to be doing this step-by-step and continue to say, remember, this is your automation to intelligence journey. It's not the, the destination, you know, you might not ever reach that end goal, but it really is about the journey. So continue to stay with us as we talk through this automation to intelligence roadmap on our podcast. If you're interested in going into our training and certification on this, please do reach out to us, info at cognolytica.com. That's info at C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. So we can talk more about the needs that you have, how many people you'd like to put through the training and certification, and when we can go ahead and get started. I know many of our listeners have gone through our training and certification programs, whether it's CPMAI, the Cognitive Project Management for AI, which tells you how to do AI right. If you've listened to our podcast before, you know we are big advocates for methodologies and doing AI right. And we are advocates of CPMAI methodology. So I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, but please do make sure to subscribe if you have not already to the AI Today podcast so you can get notified of all of our future episodes where we will continue along in our automation to intelligence journey. And we'd love to go on it with you. So again, subscribe, also rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We love to hear from our listeners. Reach out if you're interested in digging deeper into our Automation to Intelligence roadmap series and our training and and Edu- uh, tra- our training and certification course as well. And listeners, again, as always, thank you much. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts.
Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. Bye.